Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome on into the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. It's Thursday, March 9th. We had a whole show planned. We were so excited to talk to you about Aaron Judge endorsing Anthony Volpe, about Aaron Judge and the inside story, the final hours of his free agency, about what insiders are saying about Volpe versus IKF versus Barraza. And we'll get to all that. It's still super fun. But first, can the Yankees catch a fucking break? Seems like maybe not. Carlos Rodon, the latest attempt to upgrade this roster, their biggest free agent signing of the offseason, the number one difference maker they added and the clearest upgrade from this year to last year suffered a forearm strain and will be on no throw for seven to 10 days. Will not start the season on the active roster. Neither will Tommy Canley, but we knew that already. Neither will Lou Trevino. We didn't know that already. We know it now. Two members of the bullpen down. One member of the starting rotation in addition to Frankie Montas. So that's two there as well. One plus one equals two. What did the Yankees know and when did they know it? Seems like they knew Rodon was hurt before he started his first spring training game. Why? Why do you do that? Uh, apparently, it's a minor injury, they're saying. Apparently, it's not attached to the UCL, they're saying. But it would be so great to add a perfect fit in free agency, start the year with him. He pitches well, takes a, maybe a mini break in the middle of the season, takes a foot off the gas pedal and goes strong into October. And the Yankees so far added Rodon, added Canely, didn't add anything significant on offense. And they're down both additions before the season starts, two combined innings out of them during spring training. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us those five-star reviews. Drop us those mailbag questions in the reviews. We'd be more than happy to answer them. And uh, please find us live on YouTube uh, Mondays and Thursdays, 2 o'clock Eastern. We will be here uh, breaking down the Yankees news and, and updates, even if they're not pleasant ones, even if we have to talk about Carlos Renan not being ready for the first series of the season. Thomas Carinante, welcome into the podcast. He says all is well, but I, I don't think any of us are super psyched of it. it great great thoughts from Rodon. not a great reality yeah um let's start with the good news though there is good news there's one bit of good news here DraftKings has arrived told you about this the last couple weeks guys um you bet five dollars on any sport you get 150 dollars in bonus bets if your five dollar bet wins you use the code yanks go yard uh and this is very important because this supports the podcast without you guys um, listening, helping us out. Maybe there is no podcast. Maybe Adam and I are just doing this by ourselves, recording it in a remote location and just playing it for nobody. That could be the alternative. I don't think you guys want that. I think you have a good time with us. Um, so head on over to DraftKings. Um, you got this pro, uh, promo right now. Bet $5 on any sport at $150 in bonus bets. If your bet wins with the code Yanks Go Yard. Uh, we got a lot of stuff going on right now. Players Championship started this morning, going through the weekend. Uh, NCAA conference tournaments in preparation for the big tournament. Selection Sunday is on Sunday. You got spring training baseball. You can bet on Clark Schmidt to give up a home run. Oh, wait, he did. That probably would have paid decently. Would have been your $5 bet. You would have had $150 in bonus bets to put in there. And then you probably would have betted on Brian Cashman to uh, 
lie about some more injury news. And then you're talking about quadrupling your money. You support the pod. You become a hundred air. Pretty good deal. Um, again, head on over to DraftKings. Code Yanks Go Yard for this promo. Minimum $5 deposit and wager required. New customers only 21 years and older and present in New York. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. Um, if you're in New Jersey and have a gambling problem, call text uh, 1-800-GAMBLER. Um, if you're in Connecticut, last one, gambling problem, call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. See full terms at DraftKings.com or in the description below. It's right on the ticker. Um, I don't know. That's the best news you're going to get, $5 for 150 Uh Outside of that, yeah, wrote on. Um, can't say that we didn't see this coming. Um, because we're always here um, trying to estimate what's going to happen. Did we think it was going to happen with Rodon? Probably not. You did look back at his injury history, though, and you're sitting there and you're like, could something happen that's going to probably get me upset? Yeah. What I'm wondering is if any other fan base does this, because I spring no. training is my least favorite month of the year. I'll, to a lot of fan bases, it represents rebirth, joy, and like, Oh man, our seventh string outfielder is hitting really well. Do you think he can help us down the stretch? For me, it just represents a different opportunity every single day for a pitcher to get injured. If you, I wake up and I go, is a pitcher going to get injured today? A pitcher comes in, he looks worse than he usually does. And I go, is he injured? And more often than not for the Yankees, he is. Carlos Rodon made his first start of spring, first start as a Yankee on Sunday, sat 92, didn't look particularly good, gave up a home run in the second batter he faced. Gave up a bunch of runs to start the third, didn't get an out in that inning, ended up with five earned runs and two plus innings. My immediate thought is, is he injured? The Yankees told us, no, the whole plan here is for him to never top 92 miles an hour. We wanted to keep him there because we saw what he did during his last healthy spring training. So if he's having velo issues, it's because we told him not to throw any harder or rear back and toss pitch. We find out later, after we learn that he's injured, after we learn he's got this low-grade forearm strain, that he suffered it throwing a slurry prior to the outing. The Yankees are being cautious now, and that's great. But why did they let him pitch in the first place? I'm no doctor, and this is the only podcast where you'll get this medical advice. But I feel like if you're injured and your team is exercising extreme caution, you uh, shouldn't be allowed to fucking pitch. Yeah, you're probably right. You look at the rest of the um, injuries too, right, especially from the acquisitions over the last calendar year. Frankie Montas. We already talked about that. I really don't want to go further into that. We'll just mention his name, Frankie Montas. Um, Lou Trevino, this was a, another curveball that came out of nowhere. I like how they buried it with this one so he wouldn't be as mad. Um, Scott Efros, Tommy John, Tommy Canely signed in the offseason for $11.5 million. Bicep tendonitis delayed, and now you have Rodon. So I don't know what this is about. We talk about the Yankees medical staff all the time. Is it is it a good staff? It simply can't be, or it's – or it's cursed. It's one of those two things. It's either anything Brian Cashman in a higher profile setting that he puts his hands on turns to this, or it's or he's making bad moves. I don't. I literally don't know what the answer is. And now you have this diagnosis that's supposed to keep out um, Rodon for seven to ten days. Uh, whew, what do we think about that? Yeah. What do you believe that? Do you you hear you hear a seven to ten days shutdown, and it's like. All right. I mean, that's no big deal. And the Rodon quote is great. He says, uh, quote, I'm not here to pitch until the all-star break. I'm here to pitch well into October. This was down the stretch. Yeah, I'd be going for sure. It's October 5th or the ALDS. I'm taking the ball. 
that's what makes it sting the most to me yeah. because he is the perfect Yankee. He gets it at, right after acquiring Harrison Bader. We signed Carlos Rodon the next offseason. That's two guys who get it 100%. And yet he's down for the count this early in spring training. Uh, Brian Cashman and Coach Ellie shut down for seven to 10 days. He's going to start the year on the IL, but don't worry about it. It's minor. How my all we get so far is start season late, and in a best case scenario, he is pitching in this rotation in April. Do you believe we see him in April? Uh, well, at first, I, I mean, no, I don't, um, and that's just because they spent 162 million dollars on him, and they're going to be as cautious as possible. Um, however, the diagnosis, if we can even call it good, is kind of good. Um, as we, you know, as you mentioned, he underwent Tommy John in 2019, so this diagnosis called brachiora dialis so they're they're making up injuries at this point um thank you black- for saying that by the way i was i was thinking about saying brachocordialis brachocordialis that's what it that's what it purports to be should um, we look it up yeah, on the pronunciation thing brachiora absolutely not i'm i'm just going to keep saying it's, it's, it's brachioradialis yeah. Either way. Yeah. Either way, it's not real. So it doesn't matter how you pronounce it. It's 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 just no Carlos Rodon is the first pitcher to ever suffer a strain of the brachioradialis. And yeah. that's great. I think that's dynamite. So this made up injury here is on the lateral side of the forearm. So any long term concerns um, about the UCL, which was the problem. Brian Cashman answered questions about it, said the UCL is intact and it's healthy. Um I guess we don't have to fret as much as we had initially imagined when we saw a forearm strain, because like we talked about with Canley's injury, you see biceps tendonitis in that again, even though he went Tommy uh, underwent Tommy John recently, it's sometimes a precursor to Tommy John. You don't want to see these issues continue to pop up. Rodon um, kind of in, uh, he's been injury prone for a while. um, And then he put a ton of mileage on his arm the last two years. So I don't think, I think maybe we don't see him pitch for up to two weeks, maybe like two and a half. Um, and then they're going to, they're going to bring him on slow because remember if he was coming on slow at the beginning of the spring with, you know, them wanting to uh, have him tick back the velocity a bit, which was obviously relevant to what he was maybe experiencing with his forearm. I don't see why seven to 10 days of rest would make that big of a difference and then have him be unleashed. It's probably going to take a little bit more time. Um, and, Given the cast of guys that they have at the moment, they'll be able to get through April. They're not going to rush him back. No. Uh, the question now turns to, of course, who takes over for Carlos Rodon after the injury. Uh, and, and again, he's he's saying all the right things. Uh, I think it's important to note that he did have Tommy John in May of 2019. May of 2019, pretty recent. Um, yeah. I, I, uh, I'm not going to say there's no way, no chance he could have another Tommy John surgery. I'll knock on wood. But the fact that it's not UCL damage, and it is, is instead, I'm going to say it from memory, brachoradialis problems. Uh, very cool. Uh, it, it indicates that Tommy John is probably not the most likely outcome and when you factor in all of these things. However, it's the Yankees. Who knows? I was prepared for a shoulder injury. I was not prepared for this. So it's a massive bummer. And I think that much is obvious. Yeah. Talking Yanks tweeted the injury, and they initially called it a shoulder strain because I think they probably just – had a mental connection of like run on <laughs> shoulder problems, or maybe even like a preloaded tweet that was like a draft that was like Carlos Rodon shoulder problem. And then they had to delete it, take it down because it was a forearm strain. I had to look twice. I was like, did I hear wrong? No, I didn't. Uh, everyone's downplaying the severity of this. Uh, apparently, Rodon pitched through this last May and really struggled. So that's why he's saying, could I go? Yeah, sure, I could, but I don't want to 
I'm here for October. That's great. But somebody's got to be here for April and potentially May. We were already talking about Domingo Horman looking better than expected and having won the fifth starter job outright. Now you got to put Clark Schmidt in that rotation too, almost definitely. Clark Schmidt is kind of just using this spring as his personal playground so far. Uh, he's just throwing cutter after cutter after cutter, and that's great. I'm glad he's working things out and trying out a new pitch, but he gave up another two-run homer today to Red Sox 12th outfielder Narciso Crook. So he's, at this point, to me, the definition of a fifth starter. But you no longer have to think about, well, maybe Schmidt's in the bullpen. Maybe he's a triple-A. They want to keep him stretched out. No, Herman and Schmidt will both be making starts earlier in the season. So who makes the bullpen now? Albert Abreu's out of options. I've always considered him the favorite because of that. It opens the door for Matt Crook, uh, but I kind of still think they're going to keep him stretched out at AAA. He's going to be the new J.P. Sears. Greg Weissert, welcome to the Bronx, potentially. Uh, and Jimmy Cordero, who's in right now, is kind of the most interesting option to me. Who do you have your eyes on? I don't know. I just really don't want Clark Schmidt in the rotation. I I don't think he has it. Um, he can't last, he can't last um, for longer than two innings, in my opinion. This spring, six earned runs and six and two thirds. I don't care if he's testing out a new pitch. He doesn't really. He doesn't. He's. He hasn't been afforded that luxury to test out a new pitch. He's. He hasn't done enough to be able to use the spring as his playground. He needs to use spring training as an actual springboard to a bigger role or an or a role in general. Because what has his role been? It's. It's been the Michael King thing where it's like, are you? Are we going to start you? Are you going to be a reliever? Where Where do you fit in best? And then obviously they found out the perfect equation for Michael King. And hopefully they don't mess with that. Um, but Clark Schmidt to me, I don't know. I, I don't know where he fits in. I really don't want him in the rotation. I don't think he has the stamina to be there. Um, in terms of the other guys, I mean, everyone you mentioned has a shot at this point. Um, I think we got to mention Ian, Ian Hamilton, three scoreless innings. We talked about him, I think last episode. Um, I don't, again, I don't really, you look back on these other deals that they made and now it's upsetting because, Abreu is probably now no doubt uh, undoubtedly making the roster based on how long they've hung on to him and and they've kept him in the picture. Um, and you just look at the other trade. You look at the trade for Montas. It's like you could have had you could have either kept J.P. Sears and Ken Waldachuk um, and used them in some capacity for depth, or you could have used them for a larger package that would have gotten you a better player who wasn't injured. Um, so that's really where I'm hung up with now. I'm just I'm sour grapes. I'm looking at the past and now. Everything that we had talked about, everything that we had criticized is kind of coming into picture and into in, in, into focus, I mean, and you're looking at it. It's like, why couldn't one of these moves have gone right? If one move goes right, we are not we're not in this scenario and said everything goes wrong. And we said it the second Montas got injured. We said this rotation went from the best rotation to now a rotation where if you have one more injury, you're talking about not only a rotation problem, but now bullpen depth problem um, because you're going to have to bring in more arms and there's more people who are going to have to fit in to the scenario. And there's uh, probably younger guys or in it lesser experienced guys that are going to have to latch on in some capacity. Um, so I'm just mad. I'm going to be mad. I'm going to be sour about it. It's pretty much it. How often does this happen too? Uh, I mean, every Jimmy year, cracked, every Jimmy Cordero crack corn and I don't care, but it's the same thing <laughs> as always. It's uh, who's struggling. The big ticket additions, Frankie Montas out till August at the very least. Uh, Carlos Rodon going to take it slow, not going to start the season with the team. Tommy Canley, not going to start the season with the team. Jimmy Cordero, who the Yankees picked up for nothing and have been waiting on forever. Four innings, no runs allowed, two Ks, one hit, touched 99 
on his sinker today against the Boston Red Sox. That was just tweeted out by Max Goodman. Like, great pickup. Ian Hamilton looks great. Why can't Brian Cashman target the right pitchers with the high-profile moves? He spends $162. $162. That'd be great. He spends all this prospect capital and all this money on pitchers who are not opening the season with the team. But when you ask him to just uncover a little nugget of gold, he's like, oh, I got Jimmy Cordero off the White Sox. He's going to rehab Tommy John for two years. He's going to come back throwing 99-mile-an-hour sinkers. Can we just sync up the two things, please, both aspects of team building? I would love it. Um, and then you look you look at you look at the situation now. You want Cashman to work his magic with a trade. Um, I don't know if that's even possible at this point. I, think I don't think teams, it is. I don't I think, think it is. I don't even think it's possible for, like, uh, for a hidden gem because – at this point, teams who may teams usually know who their hidden gems are, right? Like they eventually part with them when it's reached a point where they say to themselves, "You know what? This is taking up too much of our time. We got to move on and figure it out." And that's where the Yankees usually strike. Now, rosters are set. We have three weeks till opening day. These teams want to see what they have um, over the next few weeks, and then try to see if they can do anything with it at the onset of the season. So it's definitely going to be internal options. And now we have to sit here and wonder if they're going to work. A lot of inexperienced guys, a lot of names that, you know, the average fan might not have heard of. Um, and again, it's going to be working from the ground up. And it shouldn't really be like that with a team that has this many star players and this big of a payroll. But, oh, it's what is it, the third, fourth year in a row? So it shouldn't be new. Let's talk about uh, something a little bit more pleasant. Let's let's talk about the infield picture just because uh, we got a lot of surprising good news and some surprising endorsements this week. Of course, we had to temper it with the Rodon stuff and the double bullpen, uh, double whammy. But Anthony Volpe, again, you and I have talked plenty about how he's not going to make the opening day roster. Still don't think he will. Uh, Aaron Judge comes right out and says, uh, you know, uh, he has this quote yesterday. He did he's start really, off by saying, you know, he definitely did. He did. He, 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 what Aaron Judge did yesterday was he paused and he looked for his outline and then he started talking. Um, Aaron Judge, uh, very unjudge like, and it's like the yeah. new Aaron Judge almost. He's the captain now, right? When when does he ever speak to the media and advocate on anybody's behalf and, and try to like mix things up? And he, he just outright says yesterday to Brian Hope, My thing has always been if you're the best player, it shouldn't matter your age. You should be up helping the New York Yankees. It doesn't matter if you're 19 or 41. If you're the best guy for the job, you should be playing. Uh, first of all, if you find some of these 41 year olds, Bring them on. I don't know who they are. I don't think any 41-year-old. Was that him trying to tell the front office to sign Nelson Cruz? Who knows? I certainly don't. Uh, But Aaron Judge outright saying, like, hey, best players on the team, please, if it's up to me. It's not up to him. But maybe it's more up to him than it used to be now that he's the captain. It's worth worth wondering. Somebody in the middle of last season went to the front office and said, this has gone on long enough. Bring Oswald Peraza and Oswaldo Cabrera up. And, And they came up in August, and Cabrera played more than Peraza, and that's great. Now you've got Judge basically saying if Volpe's makeup is this off the charts and if he's the guy and if reporters are coming to Yankees camp and everyone is talking to Buster Olney and Tim Kirkton about how this guy is blowing the doors off, they shared a great story on their podcast where after the Dunedin game, Josh Donaldson apparently walked into Aaron Boone's office and just went, Volpe! And great, if Josh Donaldson's doing that, then this Yankees team's best lineup includes Anthony Volpe. And Judge knows that, and everybody knows that. So I still think they're going to try to survive April without him, but I don't know if he's lasting in the minors past the end of April at this point, which is the most optimistic I've been about the situation. I agree, I think, and that's when the service time, I think, clock or consideration, whatever runs out. It's the end yeah. of April. 
And we're going to we're going to learn that exact date in the coming weeks. I'll tell you that much. It yeah. feels like right now. I mean, for Glaber in 2018, it was like April 22nd or something. Mm-hmm. So you got to think it's around the same time. Yeah. Um, and this is again, this, why do you think they named judge captain? Judge, I don't think you read if you read the athletic story, which we'll get into a second. Uh, we'll we'll get into that uh, soon. Um, they uh, Ken Rosenthal talked about how Hal obviously called him on the phone, and you know we we heard the whole thing about offering that extra year for forty million. Um, and Judge was that was that was what ended up getting the deal done. Nine years, three sixty, and then after that was agreed to, Hal threw in the sweetener of Hey, you're captain. We want you to be captain of the New York Yankees. So I think that there was some sort of strategy in there um, because of the disconnect that we've seen over however many years it's been now. Um, you you see that the the lack there's lack of a human element. It seems like a lot of the front uh, the front office is making a lot of the decisions um, in regard to personnel, in regard to team chemistry, and all that type of stuff. And it hasn't really turned out positively. You look at a couple of trade deadlines that killed team morale uh, the last, the last, like, well, definitely last year. And then, you know, years prior when they either didn't make a move or they didn't supplement um, uh, the really good cast of players that they had to fill, you know, the very, very few amount of gaps that they, that they had on the roster. Um, so I think that judge at this point knows he's been given a new responsibility to speak up and make his voice heard. And I think that there is a part of Hal Steinbrenner, which, I'll give him a little bit of credit here that he knows that that aspect of the game needs to needs a little bit more magnifying, especially when um, it comes to the front office, identifying these uh, types of decisions and acting more with instinct rather than with numbers. Um, I'm not saying that analytics is bad. I'm just saying that when you have clear situations where you can up the ante and improve the current status quo with players who inject life into the lineup or inject a different type of playing style into the lineup. Um, those need to be active, acted upon sooner rather than later. Um, I think judge is doing right already off the bat with his new title by saying these things about Anthony Volpe. He is the one on the field. He is the one interacting with Anthony Volpe. He's the one watching him play. He is the one seeing his impact um, in these games. He's watching from the dugout. If you're a professional baseball player, if you're someone of Aaron judge's magnitude and you see someone who is, you know, that much younger than you making an impression, sticking up, you know, sticking with the bigger guys this long and and hitting major league pitching and, um, you know, covering a ton of ground in the infield. I think that's all you need to know. Um, Aaron Judge coming to you saying, hey, I'm the reigning MVP and this guy's really good and this is a guy I want to play with. So we're going to have to make that happen now. That's and something. he's he's a Yankee for life now. So exactly. we don't have to worry about this nope. anymore. Like, Previously, it was like, oh, man, are Volpe and Judge's primes going to line up? And then Judge walks, then Volpe has to take the mantle and truly be the new Aaron Judge and be captain from day one. No, now Aaron Judge is going to be a Yankee for the next nine seasons. He is going to be that captain mantle. Like maybe people, maybe there comes a time when Judge is 37 and Volpe is still on the team and the younger players are gravitating towards him and they're co-captains. And that's great. But all we need right now is for Aaron Judge to pluck the best players when they're ready. And we don't, we didn't need to rush Volpe up last year to get on judges timeline. Judges coming back now that they're both here for the long term, as far as we can tell, once the Yankees get done messing with their service time, they should call Anthony Volpe up as soon as possible. Uh, I do want to touch on the only podcast with Tim Kirchin just for a second, two very important nuggets in there. One, I think we're starting to underrate Oswald Peraza a little bit. 
Uh, I think I've seen some nonsense from, yeah. uh, from, from the Twitter space uh, that's just sort of thinking that he's a disposable spare part and, and not a main. I saw some people even saying, like, why are we ignoring the future? Volpe's clearly the shortstop of the future. What's this Peraza guy doing? You know, I hope he doesn't take up too much of Volpe's reps. No, Peraza's legit. He's also a better defensive shortstop than Volpe. And the best case scenario is that Volpe plays second and Peraza plays short. They just turned a beautiful double play from those positions like an hour ago. Nice. Uh, that's that's the goal, right? Glaber Torres is probably not going to be paid by this team long term. We'll see, but probably not. I think we got to keep that in perspective. But the other key point is that Buster Olney making this speech and Tim Kirk to talk about how much Volpe impressed them and and what's been done so far at camp was laying things out and said Peraz is the starting shortstop. I've already heard this. It's an open secret. The Yankees could say whatever they want about competition. He's won the competition. Volpe will probably start the season in the minors. And the way they phrased it was IKF potentially could be on the bench. Potentially could be on the bench, meaning his best case scenario is staying on the Yankees bench. And the more likely option is that he gets dealt before opening day. Uh, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I'm leaning towards IKF not being on the opening day roster at all at this point. That's how I would operate if I was running this team or had any say in any of it. Uh, I would like to think that. I don't, the Yankees haven't convinced me of that. I know they're doing their best to kind of maybe shove IKF, you know, further back into the shadows so we kind of forget about him. Um, the mentioning of him playing the outfield, you were like, okay, yeah, sure, great. We'll, Give me we'll, a break. See, we'll see him in the outfield. Give me uh, an absolute break. Yeah. Uh, the guy needs to, if he's going to be utilized, I think he is coming off the bench as the utility player. Um, I think that, you know, now we're talking about Volpe coming up at the end of April, potentially after what Aaron judge had to say, I think the, the likelihood of IKF being off the roster in the next couple weeks is probably, um, is probably the scenario that makes the most sense. There are teams out there that need, um, a body that, can play a multitude of defensive positions at a, at an above average level. Um, the Yankees don't necessarily need it right now. Um, they didn't need to tender him a contract in the off season. If you ask me, I think they could have non-tendered him, saved the money and then just figured out a different path and moved on. Um, I do like how the discourse with Peraza and Volpe are getting a little bit louder. Um, there was uh, who said that they heard that it's, you know, it's pretty much Peraza starting at shortstop and that's like the open secret. Forgot who it was. It was um, yeah, it was all, only on the pod said you leave camp and you just hear the Peraza's basically got Oh, that was job. only unless, okay. unless something crazy goes wrong, which duh. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So at this point, I think that that's, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't bet. I, I wouldn't like stake everything in that happening and him being off the opening day roster IKF, but um, the manner in which that this is unfolding with, you know, judges comments and all these insiders kind of getting a little bit louder. Um, I think, I think the percentage is, is probably like 65, 35 in favor of that. That's probably where I'd land. Agreed. And if you like to play the percentages, if you're like Adrian Selbst and you're watching Oswald Peraza lace a beautiful double, we saw it too. Hell yeah. If you believe in the Yankees playing the kids and you want to pound the over, maybe now's the time to visit DraftKings. If the Carl's Rodon on injury worries you and you want to pound the under or bet on the Blue Jays futures, you can do that too. We're more than happy to give you a special promo on DraftKings, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. Bet $5 on any sport, choose baseball, but any sport, get $150 in bonus bets if your bet wins, as long as you use the code YANKSGOYARD. 
That's Yanks Go Yard. No spaces. That's our code. Minimum $5 deposit and wager required. New customers only, 21 plus, and present in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. Gambling problem? If you're in New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. If you're in Jersey, call text 1-800-GAMBLER. Or if you're in Connecticut, that's 888-789-7777. Or visit ccpg.org slash chat. See full terms at DraftKings.com or in the description below. When you sign up with the code Yanks Go Yard, Get your $5 bet on any sport and get $150 in bonus bets if your bet wins. And when you do that, you are putting food on our table. You are making this podcast exist. If you're here watching the stream right now, we love it. Thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for joining us for a supposed bummer of an episode starting with an injury. But I think we're going to talk a lot of positives as well. You already started doing that. We are here live on YouTube every Monday and Thursday, 2 o'clock Eastern time. And we're here because of you all. And we're here on all audio platforms because of you all. And the reason that the podcast gets airtime, run, et cetera, is because of our relationship to folks like you. And you're helping us out when you use our DraftKings promo. Uh, if you're a viewer, if you're a listener, that's Yanks Go Yard, no spaces. Bet $5 on any sport, get $150 in bonus bets if your bet wins. Please watch the ticker below to keep up with the rest of that information. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done. Uh... Let's do some quick hitters. I do want to talk about the athletics deep dive into Aaron Judge's final hours of his free agency. Uh, you can take two things away from this. You can either take your respect for Hal Steinbrenner up a notch or two, um, which I did. I'm not going to. Yeah. You can feel you can feel both things at the same time. Right. So it's not, it's not one or the other. It's not I respect Hal uh, and this process was a complete failure. I think a lot of things about this process were a, a failure. I think reading about this story, leaving out Brian Cashman's role completely is confounding. Uh, and it does feel as if the team misread the market. So I know you sort of want to go in on them a little bit for not getting this done sooner. And Aaron Judge himself in the article did say, like, this could have been done in two phone calls. And uh, maybe it could have because it really shouldn't have gotten down to the wire like that. Wait, you go back to the beginning, right, where Judge had specifically asked for, you know, the contract talks to not be leaked before opening day. And then Brian Cashman holds a press conference two hours before opening day. Um, you have the saga. I am day. going to leak them. Oh, thanks. I am going, yeah. oh, no, don't worry. They won't get leaked. I'm going to announce it to the world. So don't, yeah. nobody, no one will leave this room knowing the information. I am going to tell everybody. So <laughs> that setting things off course, 2022 already had, you know, a bad taste in its mouth. To, to kick things off. The year had a bad mouth taste. It really did. Um, you go throughout the season and then you have, you have this hanging over the Yankees head, which is exactly what you didn't want because it was a championship contending year, whether you thought, it, you know, whether you truly believed in them or not, they still had one of the best rosters. Um, and it played a role in distracting them to some extent. 
Then you have the end of the year where, you know, there he has to reiterate yet again, I want to be a Yankee. This is where I want to be. Um, and then you have the all the stuff that happens with him going to San Francisco, John Morosi doing the whole, you know, doing the whole dance, trying to make us scared. Um, and it worked. It worked for a little while, I will say. Um, you stressed out fans. You probably you definitely stressed out the organization. But here's where I land on this. And I'm happy to give Hal Steinbrenner credit because he got the job done. In the end, what's the result? Aaron Judge is Yankee for nine years. Um, that shouldn't be the prevailing narrative, however. The prevailing narrative should be that the Yankees once again, you know, mess with somebody. You go back and you watch the captain, Derek Jeter, talk about the same thing with Brian Cashman. With his contract talks, they immediately leaked soon after he had expressed, hey, please, let's not have this get out to the public. <laughs> it gets out to the public, except this time, that time it was an actual leak. So Cashman either doesn't have control over the leaks or just does the leaks himself. Um, and then you have the fact that the Yankees wouldn't reportedly, according to Rosenthal, budge off their eight-year $320 million offer until I guess something else came in. So in my opinion, here it is. They capped the offer at something that was, I think, still fair, but not going above and beyond. Um, and then you look at the other fact that they were, I guess, hoping nobody else came in to offer a shitload more money, which happened in two separate instances, um, which yeah. was dumb because Aaron Judge is one of the faces of baseball and he's coming off an MVP season. He's one of the best offensive players, one of the faces of the sport. Um, so the Yankees can't sit – you can't sit here and say the Yankees didn't get lucky because Aaron Judge could have been a guy who wanted the most money. You read the whole story and it talked about how he hired his agency and he's still with his agents because it's a family-like atmosphere and they're honest with each other and there's no – you know, there's none of that nonsense where it's like jump from agency to agency to get the most money, which is what you see with a lot of other guys in the sport. Aaron Judge wants you know a close-knit situation, but – the Yankees got lucky that that's the person that he is. Maybe they took advantage of it. Maybe they knew that that was always going to happen. But to not guess that somebody else was going to offer a lot more money than you were for Aaron Judge, to have to make a phone to have two phone calls from Italy to resolve the entire thing, um, and then to get Judge in the end to take what the Padres reportedly offered four hundred fifteen million. Um, that's what fifty five million more that he could have taken that he didn't take. Yeah. Um, it's a lot got, of money. Got it's lucky. a lot of money. You got lucky. I think in the end, like, yes, Hal Steinbrenner got the job done, but it went on for almost a year or two, too much longer than it had to. And you really play, you, you, you hit, you, you hit the full house on the river with judge saying, you know what? I want to be a Yankee. I'll take less money. Let's just get this done for one more year and 40 more million. I mean, we've said it before and now we have the evidence on our side. It, it says a lot about Hal Steinbrenner that he was a great closer, but it says more about Brian Cashman that he wasn't even involved in the process, nor was he trusted to be involved in the process. Uh, who's mentioning the story? Aaron Boone having an uncomfortable dinner with the Yankees brass when they think that Aaron Judge is going to leave for either San, for San Francisco because they don't even know San Diego's involved. Yeah. And remember that weird day when there was a private plane coming from Tampa to San Diego and people tracked it? And everyone in the Yankees organization was like, we had no idea Judge was coming here to the winter meetings. He wasn't. He wasn't coming to the winter meetings. He was coming to a different area of San Francisco entirely to do business with the local team. They re they weren't bluffing, and it wasn't over, but they were blindsided. And, and so was the rest of America. Nobody knew why Judge was coming to San Diego. They thought he was coming to the winter meetings. Then he didn't show up. And then they went, ah, we tracked the wrong plane. No, he was hanging out at Petco Park with his dog. And his dog, Penny, gets a special shout out in the story like 10 times. They had a security guard to guard his dog to make sure the dog wasn't like, he's going to sign with the Padres. Like, I, I don't know why we had a security guard uh, with a little puff, but we had to keep the dog under wraps. Uh, 
Brian Cashman, not mentioned in that dinner scene where Aaron Boone is, is feeling uncomfortable, feeling nervous, feeling like he should text Judge, and he does, and he pours his heart out one last time. And then you hear Hal saying he sent Judge a text message, but he didn't know if it accurately conveyed how much he wanted him. And right around the time Judge, too, decided internally that he wanted to be a Yankee for life, Hal reached out and reiterated how much he meant to everybody. And oh, great, hunky-dory, we shake hands. What did Brian Cashman do? It was Brian Cashman at the dinner? Was Brian Cashman at the winter meetings? Was Brian Cashman at any point prodding Hal Steinbrenner to say, hey, you should really get more heavily involved in this. It feels like Judge listens to you. You guys have a special relationship. Does Brian Cashman have a special relationship with anybody? Was he involved in the story whatsoever? And, and the judge saying this could have gotten done in two phone calls was him basically sarcastically laughing it off with his agents saying, man, if you just call Cashman a couple of times, I think we could have gone back and forth on numbers here. A joke, but where was Cashman? Why didn't you call him? And I, I disagree with Judge only because it, it did the, the black mark on Steinbrenner's resume, too, is that it took the Padres going crazy and the Giants getting deadly serious for him to realize he had to up his offer from the initial, like, it was like 320 or whatever. Obviously, got to go higher than that. He makes it happen for Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge is, they, they got lucky Aaron Judge is Aaron Judge. You're right. Because if Aaron Judge wasn't Aaron Judge, Aaron Judge, being the captain of the Yankees did not mean anything to him. If he wasn't a homebody, he'd be gone. And the San Diego Padres would be celebrating about their ridiculous free agency coup of stealing Judge in the dead of night for $415 million. Turns out they were way scarier than the Giants ever were. If Aaron Judge was Carlos Correa, he's gone. Um, you know, Well, if Aaron saw- Judge was Carlos Correa, he's still in the trainer's room getting double x-rays. <laughs> The story, the story, however, did mention to your point that Cashman did urge Steinbrenner to get involved. Um, now, great, I guess, for him to understand that. But once again, Judge laid it all out for you. I want to be here. I want $360 million. And this is what it's going to take to get done. So all Cashman could have done was said, hey, Hal, this is what he told us he wanted in the offseason. He wants to remain here for life. So if we just give him this amount, we avoid all the trouble and then we don't have to do this. But then they left whatever the offer, the offer was eight years, three twenty. They weren't budging from it. And look, at some point I do sympathize with teams offering larger contracts because you don't want to bid against yourself and be an idiot. The Yankees already did that with Garrett Cole. We saw the, we saw the results, you know, the reports and the rumors that came out after that, the next highest offer was, what if 60 million away? So the Yankees went at that, that, you know, that much higher to have to get Garrett Cole. And, and they he, sent him his favorite bottle of wine. Yeah. And they sent him Andy Pettit. They went crazy. Like you maybe could have got a discount on that contract. Yeah. So um, either way, you don't want to bid against yourself because it's, it's bad business, but at the same time, it was all spelled out for you. And this is one of the faces of baseball to expect that nobody is going to go over the offer that you had, which wasn't even extending yourself that much higher than the extension that you offered him in the off season that he didn't like that most, you know, executives viewed as a low ball, even though at the time, you know, we'll, we'll continue to say that we didn't think it was completely unfair. Um, you could have just, again, ended this fairly quickly. You could have ended this right out of the gate. You could have, and he said at some point on Sunday night baseball that he was willing to, he was willing to talk if the Yankees wanted to talk. So I don't know where the disconnect was there, but um, in the end, Aaron Judge is a Yankee for the next nine years. He's the captain. We're happy about that. We're thrilled. But, um, you know, give credit where credit is due, but also maintain that speculation because this, for a $6 billion team, um, for probably the most recognized sports brand in the world, should have been a lot easier and should have just been handled with a little bit more grace and um, responsibility and organization. And I, I really don't think it was. 
couple more quick hits. Who will be Aaron Judge's running mates in the outfield for all of the years of his deal? There are a couple prospects in the pipeline that we all love. Jason Dominguez, Spencer Jones, Everson Pereira can even make that list. Perhaps Elijah Dunham. Sure. We like them all, but prospects bust and prospects also don't play center field if they're left fielders. Which brings us to Harrison Bader. Uh, the Yankees have a lot of uncertainty moving forward in the outfield. Uh, that much has been perfectly obvious this year. They don't have a left fielder entering the season. Aaron Hicks is starting, and I don't think a lot of people want him to. Harrison Bader, since he's gotten to New York, he's only played a couple of weeks in September and a couple of weeks in October. The weeks in September, the energy he brought was immediately obvious. Clutch hits, shortening up on the bat, not selling out for power every time. In October, somehow he hit five homers in two postseason series and absolutely lived up to the moment and shined in the spotlight. John Heyman wrote a column today saying the Yankees have to extend Harrison Bader immediately, calling him the perfect Yankee. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't disagree. Uh, I've said this before, and let's spend Hal Steinbrenner's money. It's easy, uh, so you might as well do it. Uh, I don't think this will take much. You want to talk about a hometown discount? I think Harrison Bader from Bronxville has made it very clear he wants to be a Yankee for quite a while. Uh, he said, uh, John Heyman offhandedly mentioned to him the other day, this is in his column, uh, when the Yankees were playing the Cardinals in spring training, that he's no longer a Cardinal and now a Yankee. Bader said, let's keep it that way. Great. Let's keep it that way. I don't think this will take more than a three-year deal, maybe for the very worst after this season. You don't even have to spend the money until after the season. You just have to talk to him. And the best part is, let's say Bader continues being a superstar. You got center field and right field locked up for the next three, four years. You find a prospect to emerge, play left field. You can use another prospect off the bench. You could use a couple of prospects as trade chips. It just settles things for a team that I can't believe I have to say this doesn't have a left fielder. Don't you want more position settled rather than less? And two, let's say you pay Harrison Bader. He starts breaking down a little bit. He looks like a hundred game player instead of a hundred forty game player. That's also okay. The money you're paying him is not going to break the bank. And he's a he's a perfect fourth outfielder. He's a perfect everything. He's somebody that I want on the roster to continue to be glue for this team. Yeah, well, now that you say that, I guess you kind of do have to extend him. I wasn't of the thought that you absolutely have to. I think it would have been shrewd. Um, I don't know what the Yankees are thinking here. Uh, you look at Bader's career numbers, and um, you're right. I don't know I don't know what a contract extension would look like. Um, I think it, he would be smart to play out this year and up his value because we've seen so many free agents – um, have that one contract year and that gets them paid. Um, my worry is he opts to do that. He has a really good year. And then we're talking Andrew Benintendi range, mm -hmm. same type, you know, a similar type deal. Um, I think at this point, based on what he's shown in the postseason, he's probably a more impactful player than Andrew Benintendi. He's more athletic than Andrew Benintendi. Um, so I think that that's the potential pitfall here. Um, but it's smart to open extension talks as early as possible um, because, A, like you said, it's not going to take a whole lot of years. I think I think four is probably fair for everybody. Bader's, you know, heading into his age 29 season. He's still got still got plenty left in the tank. Um, and even if Dominguez is even if Jason Dominguez is ready next year, you're still without a left fielder. Um, the only argument here was it, is if the Yankees are that confident in Dominguez. Um, Everson Pereira and Elijah Dunham, but you can't think like that because that's a little bit crazy. Bader has, you know, the speed, the athleticism at the major league level has proven himself for years, even though he's been hampered by injuries and, and lack of consistency. Um, he seems comfortable here. You know, don't, don't, um, 
don't mess up the continuity. It seems like right after the trade deadline, he was he was right at home and and he he integrated himself very quickly. This is the part of the podcast where our rivals might want to tune out, but that's fine because that's what we do. Vlad Guerrero Jr. Again, <laughs> what the hell is going on with this guy? Uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. His last let's recap his last couple of weeks. Uh, first, he says. Uh, the one team I don't want to join in free agency is the Yankees because I hate them and they stink. His dad goes, don't say that. They, they might want to sign you someday and pay you a lot of money. PR 101, don't immediately rule out the team that could potentially be very interested in you down the line. Yeah. Then uh, Vlad hits a home run in spring training. It's the Yankees nothing reliever because uh, that's how spring training games work. Uh, in the middle innings, a complete rando comes in. I personally was looking forward to maybe beating the Red Sox today. Not going to happen because the Yankees just put Tyler Danish and his 81 ERA in in the sixth inning and he gave up a game time home run to someone named Tyler Dearden, who I think is from Fight Club. Danish is going to get wrecked. That It is what it is, right? Random middle relievers come in in the middle of these games and are terrible. And it doesn't say much about the season to come. Vlad Jr. homered up Matt Bowman, who I haven't seen since, and who's just a random guy trying to work his way back to the majors after spending like 2018 with the Cardinals. When he got back to the dugout, he gave everybody a shush. Oh, haters got to shut up. All the haters said I couldn't hit a home run off Matt Bowman, and they I just proved them wrong in, in March in Dunedin. This leads into Vlad uh, succumbing to knee inflammation. Unfortunate. Very unfortunate. It's very minor. He's going back to the cage this weekend. He's had to take about a week off with this D issue. It has forced him into missing the World Baseball Classic, which is a tremendous bummer for him because these don't come around very often. The Dominican team is stacked. He is going to, uh, you know, probably regret not being able to play in this series for sure. But the long-term damage to his knee is absolute zero. He Instagram storied a cartoon that someone drew of him waving from a hospital bed behind a window saying, I'll see you in the second round with his team standing outside the door, bowing their heads in sorrow. Manny Machado, Rafael Devers. Julio Rodriguez, they're all there. They're all saying mournful words for Vlad Jr., who, again, is resuming swinging this weekend. Uh, he also is at Blue Jays camp in Dunedin. If he wants to go to Miami for the Dominican World Baseball Classic games, he can, and he probably should. He should still be there. He gets to experience it in the locker room with all his friends, or at least, again, he should. Uh, but, yes, he's out with the most minor of, of possible knee inflammation, and he posted a cartoon on Instagram indicating that he has passed away and is on his deathbed. Uh, what is this guy's deal? He's 23. Was this the movie? Was this Terms of Endearment? Is that what, Are we finally seeing the Blue Jays movie? <laughs> the more I think about it, because I'm pretty dumb as a 32-year-old, um, he's 23, and he just he doesn't get it. Um, I, he just, I don't think he understands it yet. Um, maybe he will one day, maybe he won't. We've seen plenty of older, older folk who, who still, uh, who still can't really grasp with, uh, or come to terms with reality. Um, you know, he said, he said the, the whole thing last year when we were there, uh, for the three game series about the clinch division and they walked it off with the single in the 11th or whatever. And he hit the single and he was saying, not in my house, like running across the field as if, yeah. you know, they just walked off a playoff game or won a playoff series. And it's like, dude, the Yankee, it's a three-game series. You won the first game. And if they win one of them, they clinch the division. So what are you doing? And then like, they did. And, and then, then they, they did. Really did. And then they did. And then Aaron Judge tied the AL home run record. And then the Yankees won 
the night after with a lineup of backups. Um, then you have this offseason where he said he was, you know, he would never sign with the Yankees. And then he made a mockery of them when a kid at FanFest asked who the easiest team to play against was um, in 2022. And he said the Yankees, even though the Yankees were 11 and 8 against them. Um, he's 24. Uh, he's embodying the role of a troll. Um, he's, I guess, having fun doing it. Um, might be a little bit of a drama queen. I don't really know. Uh, I would hope that this image was a little bit of a joke because it was a cartoon. Uh, maybe that's the, the, the narrative here that we have to stick with. It's a cartoon. It's a literal drawing. So maybe, maybe there was some sort of a hyperbole there that he was trying to, he clearly does things to strike a chord and, and, you know, get his name out in the forefront, whether it's embarrassing or not. Um, but yeah, I don't know what, his deal is. Um, I don't know if he just doesn't understand. I don't know if he's socially awkward. I don't know if he just doesn't understand how to interact or, you know, send messages across, but yeah, I mean, that's the funniest thing I've ever seen. Um, (laughs) totally embarrassing. I mean, I posted a lot of emotional shit when I was like 26. Um, when the North Carolina Tar Heels won the championship in 2017, I wrote a status about how I thought that the giant Super Bowl when I was in college might be my last title indicating that like i guess i was also dying at 22 um and i but you know what i got roasted and i feel like vlad jr's friends are not in his comments being like oh pull receipt like oh you're in the hospital <laughs> like i don't think he has the right friend i think he needs just somebody to to get him right once and he'll never do it again i never did it again but you, you had eloy jimenez a couple years ago Torres peck in the outfield and then for the first game of the regular season in Anaheim, his team hung up his jersey in the dugout and they all signed it. They carried it out for pregame intros. Like, and that got made fun of. I feel like Vlad deserves the same heat here. Uh, additionally, this is the first of many 2023 podcasts. I'm going to end by ripping Alex Cora. Uh, but I just, I don't think that we give Alex Cora enough shit. Like, I, he's a tremendous cheater. He basically invented the Astros cheating scheme. Carlos Beltran was the one who said, you guys don't do enough here. You guys got to do more. And Beltran was also does not come off well. And Evan Drellick's winning isn't everything. Uh, he did a lot of the scheming as well. And sometimes he would say, you know, he would actively, if it wasn't set up, he would actively go to the dugout and go, I got to do everything around here. Like, why isn't this set? Why didn't you guys get the TV right? Come on. This is huge. Like very, uh, you know, Beltran was front and center there, but Alex Cora, not only a tremendous cheater, just seems like a huge jerk. Yeah. Huge. Uh, and the book goes into detail here. He was reportedly almost fired several times during the 2017 season for challenging AJ Hinch's authority and basically just being insubordinate. The, uh, according to the people who were there, he was drunk on almost every plane ride and bus. He was just drunk all the time. That's great. That sounds like a, a trustworthy member of, of a baseball family who can really lead up and, and be a leader of men. Uh, he got in an argument with AJ Hinch, called him an effing C word. And it was a 10 minute rant while the whole team thought he was going to hit you in the face if you try to break it up. Uh, someone said, holy crap, I'm going to watch our manager deck our bench coach. That's what a 2017 Astro said. This was all because Jeff Blum, an announcer, Gave some tips to A.J. Hinch. He went absolutely off the rails. He said everybody was conspiring against him. He also, this is a quote from the book, in Cora's short time in Houston, he had shown he could be erratic or simply immature. He totally disenchanted the coaching staff, one member of the Astros said. He blew up one day in the coach's office with A.J. Hinch and said, you expect me to do all this stuff for 250 grand? And, you know, all the other coaches are making like 75 grand. 
huge asshole who was allowed to walk back to his job with the Boston Red Sox after a short vacation during the COVID 2020 season. I, I just don't think he gets enough uh, shit for being a, a, a whiny crybaby, a poor leader. And I don't really hate the Red Sox roster that much anymore. The players on the team don't really bring much antipathy towards me. I, I don't, I don't feel personally targeted by Justin Turner and Daniel Palka. I feel personally targeted by Alex Cora and the fact that he not only is successful, but has the reputation as this incredible family man and clubhouse guy. When it seems like he's drunk on every road trip and screaming at people. Yeah. He, his existence is bothersome. Um, when, you know, he told the Yankees to suck on it during the world series parade. It's like, what are you yeah. five? Yeah. Well, like, he is. He's five. Yeah. Um, you always, you always get the, the vibe from him too. He's a little bit arrogant. He's a little bit arrogant. He's certainly arrogant. Um, sarcastic, um, very immature. Uh, one of those guys who like, you don't understand how he has people gravitate toward him because you're like, this guy's like toxic. Like, I don't want to, why would I want to be around him? And then of course he somehow galvanizes the 2018 Red Sox. Um, and the fact that, the fact that like we talk about his departure from the 2017 Astros who cheated, who were found guilty of cheating. And then we go to the 2018 Red Sox and we're like, Hey, isn't it a coincidence that one of the main guys in the, uh, you know, one of the ringleaders in the Astros cheating scandal went to the Red Sox and then the Red Sox effortlessly won a world series and captured, you know, the title after winning 108 games and breeze through the playoffs. And then Red Sox fans are like, well, Oh yeah, like that's that's how we're gonna draw the conclusion. Like it's one guy. The Astros is a giant operation. By the way, you know, um, uh, we uh, and uh, Cora served his suspension. It was sixty games. Like he went on vacation to Puerto Rico for three months, and then he got, got to miss the worst baseball season um, of all time. Yeah, the, the, nothing was worse than twenty twenty. You had to show up and take a COVID test every day. The Red Sox locker sure. room was in the middle of the aisles. No fans went to the games. They finished like 18 and 42. It would have been a punishment if he had had to manage that team, not yeah. get suspended and fired. It's true. Um, and then it's, and it's hilarious how it all unfolds because there is evidence implicating that the Red Sox did something wrong in 2018, whatever it was. Cora is asked about it, you know, doesn't want, you know, uh, what was the quote early in the offseason? Like, I'm not talking about it. The MLB found it's in, you know, uh, the MLB uh, released its findings. I don't need, you know, it's in the past or whatever. The video guy is the scapegoat and the fall guy for that's that's the person who gets the most discipline here. So it's like somehow Alex Cora has avoided the court of public opinion outside, you know, outside of Yankee. The Yankee fans hate him. The discourse among Yankee fans when it comes to Alex Cora is always vitriolic. I don't know how this guy doesn't get more flack in you know the grander picture for you know the baseball world at large, um, especially just because of all the dodging that he does um you look at the fact that they had the same roster pretty much after 2018 they cratered in 2019 um you look at last year's team horribly managed team who cares about the injuries every team has a ton of injuries um terribly managed he got you know like we said he had the magical run in 2021 which was a complete obviously a complete fluke um and there was something he said at the end of last year. We'll find it for the next time we rip him. Just like making nonsensical excuses, calling out Alex Verdugo, you know, essentially blaming him for not taking the next step, um, among other things. Uh, finger pointer, giant baby. Nobody likes him. I don't know why he's not more of, you know, he, he should be more of a, 
of a of a target for people looking for a villain because he is the truest form of that. Well, we'll wrap this up. All our smack talking didn't do us any good because Tyler Danish came in and gave up six earned runs, three home runs in a third of an inning. It's 8-3 Boston Red Sox. They're going to move to 9-0-3 on the spring season. So congrats to Alex Cora. Again, I'm very glad. I'm very <laughs> glad that the Yankees decided to bring in Tyler Danish instead of getting someone who actually needs work, some work. Uh, Ron Marinaccio came in and looked great. One, two, three, two Ks. Good. Tyler Danish. Uh, you want to guess Tyler Danish's spring ERA? Just, I, I've seen, I mean, obviously spring training, not real life. Uh, I've seen a lot of bad performances. I've seen a lot of people struggle and being given second, third, fourth chances. I don't know if I've ever seen numbers as bad as Tyler Danish. 72. Mm, interesting. But it's an ERA I've never seen before because you, you get used to the high numbers, right? You, you've seen 108. Like yeah. all these numbers that basically mean no one's, they've recorded no outs and given up X number of earned runs. Danish at 94.50. I don't know how you even get there. How do you get the half? I, I mean, it feels like something like 12 earned in two and a, a third <laughs> of an inning or something. I, I've never seen worse than this. So congrats to Tyler Danish. You will not be making the team. Jimmy Cordero, not on the hot seat. Uh, be nice to beat the Red Sox in the spring training game. But honestly, it's a nice to have, not a need. Tyler Danish, sit down. We will see you all next week. On Monday on the next live stream of the Inkscore Yard podcast, that's it for this edition of the show. Hopefully better news. Hopefully no more injuries. Hopefully everyone's bodies are still intact. When we resume the podcast next week, find us live Mondays and Thursdays, 2 o'clock Eastern, and on all of your favorite podcast platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, all the good ones. Uh, where do the good podcasts get filtered? That's where we get to go. Thanks to you fine folks. Please like and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. If you're listening to the audio feed, you didn't know there was a YouTube channel. Thanks for listening to the whole show. Perfect timing. Go up and sign up. Subscribe to the channel. While you're here, uh, drop your $5 on, on DraftKings. Use promo Yanks. Go yard. No spaces. That might help you, too. Um, until next time, I'm Adam Weiner. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner. Thomas Carinante, where can the people find I'm at Tommy's underscore takes. We are both at the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. Yanksoyard.com, another place you could find us. Our bylines are there. We got a lot of content for you. We're talking about the same stuff we're talking about here, just in writing form. A little bit more elaborate, a uh, little bit more elaborate, um, less stuttering, um, less me trying to figure out what I have to say or repeating myself. Uh, sometimes it's actually it's, it's actually better if you uh, if you want to read me instead of listen to me. So head on over there. Um, make uh, put your comments in. Uh, reach out to us on tro- social media. We're turning all these types of Uh, different uh, takes and perspectives into articles for your pleasure. Um, And until then, folks, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you again on Monday, 2 p.m. Eastern, live right here. you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, 
everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.